0: In this time, let's join together hearing now the scripture lesson from Matthew chapter 25.
1: When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, ye that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those to his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or naked, or sick or in prison, and didn't take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God.
0: When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. We started this journey of legacy with Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. And it begins in Matthew chapter 24, the chapter before we, uh, we, we have been covering over the past few weeks, as, as Jesus is preparing for his impending uh, crucifixion, death, and burial and then resurrection and the disciples this this is kind of the last moments for them to be fed while Jesus is in mortal form and so Jesus takes the disciples to the mount of olives and this is before the last supper and the, the, the last of the teachings are coming and 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 Jesus takes them takes them to the mount of olives and has this little mini-Sermon on the Mount for just his disciples, the inner circle. Before it was the thousands, the multitudes, now it's just a few. And they gather together to hear these words, and Jesus begins talking about the kingdom of God and also the end times. And this mini-Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount of Olives, that is, concludes with this all-too-familiar passage from Matthew 25 31 through 46 where all the nations are gathered before him and he who separates them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left we've had a few parables that have been similar coming up to this moment talking about the kingdom of God. We, two weeks ago, we had the parable of the ten bridesmaids. We uncovered that the kingdom of God is like those who are prepared, those who are willing to go the distance for God. Last week, we covered the parable of the talents and uncovered that the kingdom of God is like those who are active, that the kingdom of God is about investing rather than laziness but this parable if we could call it that hits a little closer to home it calls us out because Jesus is no longer just talking about people a long time ago in a galaxy far far away Jesus is talking directly to us and about us in this moment so I will go ahead and say, uh, as we dive into this passage, this passage is exceptionally difficult to preach on, and, and many people think that this passage should be easy for, for a preacher to work with because there's so much to work with in this passage. I mean, it, it's, it's all right there. It's so very obvious. But really, this passage kind of preaches itself. Once you hear it, you know exactly what you need to do and exactly how it should inform your faith. In fact, I, I seriously did consider just getting up here today, reading the scripture, then sitting back down, and that being my sermon. But I figured I have the spotlight so I can talk a little bit longer. Now, I, uh, uh, otherwise, if, 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 I, if I do try to handle this, this passage any more than that, it could end up feeling like talking in circles. Hear these words again. Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. This passage preaches itself. It's very obvious what we are called to do. What is required of us to enter the kingdom of God. The next step is obvious, right? We go and do this. However, there are a few things that I want to make sure that we don't miss out before we go and do this. For example, once again, just as we have had the previous two weeks, we have two different groups of people. Similar to the wise versus versus the foolish bridesmaids, two groups of people two weeks ago, or the investing versus the lazy servants last week, we now have the sheep the goats but what sets these two apart well it's obvious right we hear this passage we know exactly what sets them apart one group of people one group of these people cared for others the other group didn't one group is going to eternal life the other to eternal punishment but there is more you see, we, we like to hear this passage and say, you know what, we know which group we belong in because we know that really, at the end of all of this, it's going to be the believers and the non-believers. Those are the two groups, right? Those have to be the two groups. Those are the two groups that we've been talking about all along, all of our lives. We know that at the end of all of this, it's going to be the believers on one side and the believers on the other side. But here, for just a second, picking back up where we just left off, then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food, I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink, I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? That one word there, Lord, tells us everything we need to know. That's an insider word. The people who were not followers of Christ at the time of this being written would not have called Jesus Lord. It is those who believe that Jesus is Lord who call Jesus Lord. For you see, even the demons call Jesus Lord. They know that Jesus is Lord. So perhaps this really isn't much of a conversation about believers versus non-believers because apparently those who believe might be lumped in on the left side." Note here, I do want to say for just a moment that we're not about to get into a conversation about salvation by good deeds. It's a very slippery slope. That's not what we believe. We don't believe that just because you do good things that that's not like your get out of jail free card. Rather. This is salvation by grace through faith in action. James chapter 2 tells us, Someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. In other words... What James and what Jesus are setting up for us here is that faith, authentic, true, faith by the Holy Spirit, inevitably leads to good works, to doing good deeds. It is the example of it. Those who might not be so willing to go forward with the good deeds might not have the kind of faith that James or Jesus are talking about here. So, this isn't necessarily a conversation about believers versus non-believers. This is rather a conversation about those who are humble versus those who are arrogant. You have the one group, the first group, who kind of say, we we actually didn't think we were doing enough for others. They say, as, as Jesus says, you did all of this. They say, Lord... When? When did we do this? When was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick or in prison, and took care of you? When did we do that? And Jesus tells them, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. In other words, they, in their humility, said, we didn't think we were doing enough. We certainly didn't realize but this was our act of love for you. Versus the arrogant who kind of think we did more than enough already, right? For as Jesus says, you did not do this to me. They all, they answered, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? When did we not do that? Or when would we have seen you in order to do that? they are a bit more arrogant and think they have already done enough or that it wasn't their responsibility to do. The difference here is those who are willing to be, emphasis on the word be, a matter of existence, not just a characteristic, a matter of existence. The difference here is those who are willing to be love, even when it involves the least of these, versus those who are unwilling to love the way that Jesus loves. This passage preaches itself, but are we willing to hear what it's saying? Because this is calling us out. It's calling me out right now. I don't know how it's going to move me. I I love this quote from uh, C.S. Lewis, and there's more to it than just this one line, but he starts by saying, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor." Act as if you did. It's a very interesting um, place we are in in our society. I mean, it's constant uh, bombardment with bad news, um, mostly revolving around political parties these days. This, This political party's the worst. No, this political party's the worst. And all along, we have this question lying in the middle of who do we care more about? This quote by C.S. Lewis challenges us not to worry, not to bother about whether or not we love our neighbor. He just says, go ahead and act as if you did. Don't bother the thought of it all. Just live it. Act as if you did. Because when we start saying, what about me? What about my needs? What about what I want? What about what's comfortable for me? This is my hard-earned money. This is my time. These are my resources. When we start saying that, more than we say, what can we do for them? What do they need? What do we have that they don't have that we could relinquish for their behalf? Then we know which side of the throne we will be placed. Because Jesus makes it pretty obvious that one side... Cares more about others, and one side cares more about themselves. And so, legacy, this topic that we, this term that we've been talking about through all of this, legacy, we need to recognize, and the kingdom of God go hand in hand because both are about more than me, both are about love. Both extend beyond the finite nature of our lives. Legacy is doing for others, especially the least of these. That right there is one of the most challenging expressions that Jesus throws into all of this. The least of these. Think for a moment about the least in our city right now. And if you needed help knowing who that is, think Who are the people that matter the least to us, that we could care less that they exist? Maybe it's the person who's always standing on the corner of that intersection holding the cardboard sign. Maybe it's the person who lives in that bad part of town. Who are the people that are unrepresented or unheard by our local, state, federal government? Those people that don't have a voice, those people who are just, Kind of not really taken care of as much. Who are the people that are hungry? Who are the people that are thirsty? Who are the people that are strangers or foreigners? Who are the people that are naked or poor? Who are the people that are sick? Who are the people that are in prison? Jesus makes it very clear who the least of these are. It's the ones whom we just don't want to really associate with because they're a bit beneath us, the least of these. So think for a moment about the least in our city right now and ask, what are we doing for them? Because this is really the nudge that Jesus is giving his disciples right now what are you doing for the least of these? As he said, as you have done for the least of these who are members of my family, so you did it also to me. And we'll take a moment to say here that if you feel right now the need to make a little bit of an excuse here, for one of those groups of people, either saying, well, we, we are doing enough for them, right? We do at least something for them, and that's more than nothing, so we're, they are kind of being taken care of, right? Or if you find yourself saying, Jesus didn't really mean those people, because those people probably chose the life that they are in, or those people really deserve the life that they are in if we find ourselves right now making an excuse for one of those groups of people, I want us to take a step back and remind ourselves that person, that is Jesus whom I am neglecting. As you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, so you did it also to me. This is not right here, I will say, a what-would-Jesus-do kind of moment. This isn't where we pull out our WWJD bracelets and say, all right, with these, with these people, what would Jesus do? Rather, we need to shift our perspective and recognize this is a what-would-I-do-for-Jesus kind of moment. Because we know what Jesus would do. Jesus would love them unconditionally and then perform some kind of miracle to take care of them. That's what Jesus did. That's beautiful, and we can ask that question, what would Jesus do, and it can teach us how to love, but Jesus right here is calling us to recognize, calling his very own disciples. Remember this, this isn't just some obscure group of people, this is his core group of people who have been with him through everything, and he's saying, just as you have done it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, so also you have done it to me. So we have to ask ourselves, what would I do for Jesus? Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Or just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. This legacy that we are called to leave and live with our lives and through the church is one of prepared, active, Unrelenting love. And so, my challenge for us today is a simple one. Like I said, the passage preaches itself. I just have to make us uncomfortable enough to wrestle with it. My challenge for us today give food to the hungry, give something to drink to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, take care of the sick, visit those in prison. In other words, be love. That is the difference between these two groups of people. One is willing to live their faith in action and put it to love, the other is only concerned about themselves. This is what the kingdom of God is love. This is the legacy that we are called to leave. Love, this is what it means to call ourselves Christians, love, the least of these. Whether they are right here around us or to the edges of the earth, we are called to be love. So let us see God's kingdom come through our love. Let us see God's will be done through our love. Let us leave a legacy that is absolute love. And let us pray together this morning.